Shalom, and welcome to Kehilat Rosh Pina, a dynamic, multicultural, and growing Messianic Jewish congregation located in the heart of Oklahoma City and led by Rabbi Michael Weigand. Our goal is to bring you the message of the Word each week from a Jewish perspective and to exalt Messiah Yeshua as Lord and Savior overall. We are a loving congregation made up of both Jew and Gentile, now one in the Messiah, with Shabbat morning services at 10.40 a.m. and various studies throughout the week. Please come and join us next time you are in Oklahoma City. We would love to have you. And now, we hope you enjoy today's message. Here's a question for you. Are you blessed today? How many of you are blessed today? <laughs> I'm putting my hand up on that one. It's, it's a question that we, we talking that type of terminology among us. And I had a friend, I mentioned this at one time previously, but I had a friend in Bible college that he used to say this to someone he didn't particularly get along with. He'd say, well, may you be blessed and then he'd add another couple of words into it with a brick. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to follow that example for the rest of my life. But, uh, you know, the idea of blessing is an important one. That's not the way to go about it, by the way, to pronounce that over someone. And a question connected to are you blessed today is this question. Can a person know true happiness or experience true blessedness, to use this terminology, without having a right relationship with the Lord? Is it possible for a person to have true blessedness or true happiness and to keep God completely out of their life? That's something for you to ponder. It's somewhat of philosophical uh, question, but how one answers that particular question is usually connected to one's view of life one's view of happiness, and to the extent of which blessing is being considered. For example, there are temporary blessings, but there are also eternal blessings. There are uh, momentary blessings, but there are also extended blessings there. Is temporary happiness and fulfillment the full measure of happiness? Not really. I mean, it's a measure of happiness for a short period of time. But not really. It's life circumstances can bring to us, and maybe uh, as often talked about within Judaism, miyom kippur le yom kippur. From one yom kippur to the next yom kippur is a, is a time segment that's considered in Judaism. It's a it's a point of discussion. What happened in your life from the last yom kippur up to this yom kippur? And I think if we went around the room and, and discussed uh, some of the things that happened in our lives during this Yom Kippur uh, and back to the last one, we would probably conclude, we would probably conclude that there were things that were extremely nice that happened in our life. How many of you can say during this past year from last Yom Kippur, if you can remember back that far till now, you've had some really nice things happen in your life. You've been blessed. All right, now here's the other side of the proverbial coin. How many of you can say, Mi Yom Kippur, Le Yom Kippur, from last Yom Kippur to this Yom Kippur? How many of you can say that you also had some pretty tough things happen in your life? All right. 
isn't that how life is sometimes? We have, we have some of the things that are, are really a blessing, to use the, the phraseology we're using here today, that are truly a blessing to us. And we have some other things that come into our life, sometimes out of nowhere. And blessings can come from, you know, all of a sudden come upon us. But from out of nowhere, we can have some very difficult things happen. For example, the death of a loved one, an unexpected thing. Or uh, a, a tragedy that happens to a friend or, or something like that. Or, you know, uh, folks that have lost their homes in a fire. How tragic is that? They may have just been blessed with a home and then they lose the home. It happens all the time. And describing that, what happens in life, there are many metaphors we use. There's figurative language we use in the English language to describe those things. For example, you've probably heard this phrase, the ups and downs in life. How many have heard a phrase something like that, the ups and downs in life? You've probably heard a, the, the, a similar phrase that, that speaks about the mountaintop experience and the valley, the desert valley experience, addressing that same thing, the times of blessing and the times of challenges in our life. The Scripture speaks to both of those. There are many passages of Scripture that connect to the idea of blessing, and there are many passages of Scripture that connect to the idea of being challenged or having issues. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 4, implies that God is at work in both of those seasons, if I could use that term. He's involved with both. It says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 4, it says, Every valley shall be exalted. But then in the very next phrase, it says, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. We apply that, of course, to Yochanan Matbil, John the Immerser. Uh, a voice crying out, Kol Koreba Midbar, it says in Hebrew, a voice crying out in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord. And part of the preparation involves dealing with valleys and mountains, dealing with crooked and dealing with straight, rough places, dealing with those. When I think of blessing, though, my mind, my understanding goes to one particular section of Scripture. It's called the Beatitudes. In Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 1, it goes all the way through verse 12, the Beatitudes, that even in the midst of, even in the midst of some of the more trying circumstances in life and our own deep inner reflections we go through, God's people, God's people can or we may state should experience a state of ongoing blessedness. The goal here is that God desires for His people to be blessed. How many believe that today? He desires you to be blessed. He wants people. He wants His people to be blessed. That it goes without saying. And I love the amplified translation of how it deals with the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. Let me just give you one example. In trying to deal with the Greek word makarios, which means blessed, you know, it's repeated nine times in the Beatitude. Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. Now, I'm not going to say it nine times, but it is repeated nine times. 
In the translators of the Amplified Version, again, it's called the Amplified Version because they're trying to amplify the meaning. What does that really mean? What does that Greek word point to? That Greek word makarios, what does it point to? So here's how the first one goes in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. You know this one. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How many of you have heard that before? Well, we have. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In the Amplified Version, trying to express what does that mean, this idea of blessedness in this context, here's what the Amplified Version says, quote, Blessed, happy, to be envied, and spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions, are the poor in spirit. Aren't you glad I'm not going to read all the Beatitudes out of the Amplified Version today? But the point is there. The translators were trying to show, they were trying to show how blessing from the Lord goes much deeper and farther than sometimes we would think. His desire to bless us, is, it's, it, it goes well beyond the circumstantial things in our life. It goes well beyond the situational things we face in life. It goes well beyond the temporary issues we deal with in life. God's desire to bless us is a very deep thing. Again, it says, happy to be envied and spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction and God's favor and salvation regardless of their outward conditions, regardless of their outward conditions. And let's be honest with ourselves. After all, it is Yom Kippur. Let's be honest with ourselves. How many of us at times really get tethered to our own outward circumstances? Let's be honest about it. We do. Sometimes what's happening in our circumstance actually controls us. Starts to control what we're thinking. Starts to control what our actions are. When we all know, and theologically I think you all would agree, that we're supposed to live our life according to the Word of God, irregardless of circumstances. It's pretty deep because it says that we are to love our enemies. Ooh. We are to pray for those who, I'm going to use the term, persecute us despitefully use us. It goes well beyond the temporary situation trying to hit home with this idea of, of blessing from God that he wants to give to his people. So the Beatitudes continue, and I'm not going to read the Amplified Version there. It's Yom Kippur. We'd all be tired out by the time I'm done. But I will read the New King James Version of some of the, the rest of the Beatitudes. In Matatiao, Matthew chapter 5, we already read the first one, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's found in verse 3. And here's how it continues. Many of you can quote this. And you know these by heart. You've heard them many times, but try to get and grasp what the intention of this is. He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. How do you feel when you've mourned? Do you feel particularly blessed? Many of us, we are caught up in our mourning, and rightfully so. Verse 5, blessed are the meek, the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who thunk, hunger and thirst for righteousness, 
for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Think of that when you have an opportunity to extend mercy to someone that you enter in. If you will follow that, you enter into a point of blessedness that the Amplified tried so hard, that idea of makarios tried so hard to express it. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart. And it says this very unusual phrase, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called B'nai Elohim, the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you. And then it says this, and say all kinds of evil against you. Here's the key word. It's the next word, falsely. If you're doing evil and they say you're doing evil, well, that's not necessarily that they're persecuting you falsely for his name's sake. In verse 12, it continues. It doesn't use the word blessed, but it uses a parallel idea. It says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the Nevi'im. Can you say Nevi'im? So they persecuted the Nevi'im, the prophets who were before you. The bottom line is we can walk in blessing despite our circumstances. And I feel quite confident in saying this on this Yom Kippur, that God willing, when we gather here next year, God willing, Be'ezrat Hashem with the Lord's help, as He wills, we gather here next year on Yom Kippur, we're going to have experience as we did last year, times where we just felt extremely blessed and other times where we felt like we were right in the valley of Mavit, that tough place. Now, we can walk in blessing despite circumstance. It's a key idea here today. Now, there's an oft-repeated text. We've read it often. In fact, it's mentioned here almost every Shabbat. It's oft-repeated. It's often repeated. And it's an event in Yeshua's life, and it's recorded in more than one of the Bessarot, more than one of the Gospels. But I want to remind you of this particular passage. It's found in Mark chapter 12, beginning with verse 28. And here's what happened from the complete Jewish Bible version or translation. In verse 28 of Mark chapter 12, it says, one of the Torah teachers came up and heard them engaged in this discussion. We're picking up this scene, in a, and it's a part of a larger scene. And Yeshua was discussing with others particular matters that are listed in Mark 12. So one of the Torah teachers, verse 28 of Mark 12, came up and heard, that, heard them engaged in discussion and seeing that Yeshua answered them well. He asked Yeshua, which is the most important mitzvah of them all? By the way, that's an excellent question. Historically, we know that that question was being asked of rabbis throughout those two centuries. That was a matter of discussion. 
Um, we in our society, we have certain things that come to the forefront. We may ask questions about, um, you know, on a, like, where were you in 9-11, that type of thing. Uh, when I was younger, it was, where were you when JFK got assassinated, those type of things. Well, this is a more spiritual question. It was commonly asked of rabbis at that time, and this particular Torah teacher might have wanted to see how Yeshua would answer that very question. He may have already known what others had said. Seeing that Yeshua answered them well, he asked him, which is the most important mitzvah of them all? He asked Yeshua. Yeshua answered, the most important is, say it with me, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. I'm so glad to be here with you today and to hear that said back this way. Let's say it again. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad, which means, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The most important is Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad, and then in verse 30 of Mark 12, and you are to love Adonai, your God, with all your heart. That's the ve'ahavta, as we call it here. With all your soul and with all your understanding and with all your strength. <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> you can't beat that. Loving God. How many agree that is it for us? To love God and working that out in the mountaintop experience, in the valley experience is critical for us. Do we just love God when we're on the mountaintop and things are going hunky-dory? Or will we love God when we're in the valley, in the low place, and we feel down and depressed and like the whole world's caving in on us? Will we still love God there? But Yeshua said this. He went on. He didn't stop there. I did, but he didn't. He said, it's in verse 31, the second is this. You are to love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he added this. There is no other mitzvah greater than these. We talk about this every Shabbat. The text continued, though. And I want to emphasize the next part. Verse 32 of Mark 12 the Torah, the Torah teacher said to Yeshua, Well said, Rabbi. <laughs> you speak the truth when you say that he is one and that there is no other besides him. Verse 33, And that loving him with all one's heart, understanding and strength, and loving one's neighbor as oneself mean more. And then he says this, the Torah expert, the Torah teacher says this, it means more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now that is a scene that I would have loved to have seen the eyes of Yeshua when he heard that. When he heard that Torah teacher, how much hassle did certain Torah teachers give Yeshua? Mucho, Harvey, a lot. Certain ones harassed him. They questioned him. They tried to find fault him. They conspired against him. And then there's this one. And friends, let me say this to you. Please don't use one brush to paint everyone. 
Because everyone is an individual. And what you think they may be thinking, they may not. And this one, this one, this Torah teacher, this Torah expert, said this additional thing, that loving the Lord and loving one neighbor as oneself, as it says in verse 33 of Mark 12, mean more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now consider the scene here. What was happening right around him? The temple, the Beit HaMikdash. There are various writings describing the smells that you could smell at that time with the sacrifices going up. The things you could see as you walked by the temple. You know there are even descriptions of the refuse gate there outside of Jerusalem where they would have to take certain parts of the animals and, and place them outside. All that, and this one, he realizes, even perhaps with the, the, the fragrance, the smell, the aroma, what, however one wants to describe it, of the sacrifices, the meal offering, the burnt offering, etc. He, he says, loving God and loving your neighbor, it means more than all the burnt offering and sacrifices. Verse 34 is truly amazing. Verse 34 says, when Yeshua saw that he responded sensibly. Sensibly. By the way, friends, how do you respond to people? Do you respond sensibly to them? There's some people that you, you can't even finish a sentence and they're already interjecting. And there are others you can't get a word out of them edgewise, you know. But when Yeshua saw that he responded sensibly, he said to him, and again, I'd love to have the video of this, but he said to him, can you imagine? He said, you are not far from the kingdom of God. <laughs> There's really a double meaning to that. This Torah teacher, this, this expert in the Torah and the mitzvot was not far from the kingdom of God. He was close to the kingdom. In fact, whether he realized it or not, he was standing there with the king of the kingdom. He was close to the kingdom, all right. He was right there with the king. Dad, you're going to get closer than that. And friends, you have access to the throne of this king through the shed blood of the very Messiah we're talking about. You have access to that throne of grace that we referenced last night because of what Yeshua did so there this Torah teacher was, this Torah expert, and Yeshua says to, the, says to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And there he was with the king himself, the Melech HaYehudim, king of the Jews, the Melech HaMalachim, the king of all kings, the Adon HaOlam, the eternal master of the universe, the Lord Yeshua. So this Torah teacher understood, he understood that the sacrifice that had, were being offered at that very moment as he was speaking, that very moment they were being offered in the temple. He understood that the sacrifice that were offered in the temple were not the end all, there was more. He understood that. He understood perhaps that they were demonstrations that were, that were continually occurring within the temple why it was in existence that showed that there was a need for atonement, that there was a need for purification, there was a need for redemption, there was a need for holiness, there was a need for deliverance. 
and the very one he was facing, the Torah teacher was facing, was the king of it all, <laughs> the master of the universe. Well, atonement, purification, redemption, holiness, deliverance, and much, much more are found through Yeshua the Messiah. Actually, there's no other way. If someone tries to point you in another direction, say thanks, but no thanks. If someone tries to point you to another way, say thanks, but no thanks. Because as Yeshua said in John 14, 6, He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. Now, a person comes to a state of true blessedness when his or her life, all aspects of his or her life, are submitted to this king. There's where blessing comes. Because those whom the Lord blesses, that person, they are blessed. Those whom he speaks and pronounces a blessing over, they're blessed. They're truly blessed. If God blesses you, you are blessed. So this means that in our times of joy and also in our times of sorrow, in our times of challenge, in our times when we have to overcome something, which describes much of probably what we've gone through since last Yom Kippur, Mi Yom Kippur Le Yom Kippur, from Yom Kippur to Yom Kippur. It means that in our times of abundance, but also in our times where we seem to be lacking, it means that God's blessing can override all that, that he, His blessing, when He pronounces His blessing, we are blessed. It also says, save me, Lord, and I will be saved. Maybe you're here today and your life just seems a little bit in turmoil or maybe, <laughs> maybe a lot in turmoil. Please don't bypass crying out to the Lord and finding Him, calling out to Him while He's near and asking Him to help you, asking Him to intervene. And I want to point out also in conclusion here two more passages of Scripture. The next one that I'd like to point out is what Rav Shaul, what Paul the Apostle says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12. <laughs> Paul wrote, Rav Shaul, Paul the Apostle wrote, he says, I know how, notice this, I know how to be abased. <laughs> And the very next phrase is, and I know how to abound. Catch that. The mountains and the valleys all in one statement. The triumphs and the challenges all in one statement. And what does he say? It's subjective. It's personalized. He says, I know how to be abased. And I know how to abound. He continues, everywhere in all things, I have learned, notice it's a process, learning is a process. Some of what we've been going through this past year from last Yom Kippur to now is a learning matter for us. And I don't know how you approach this, but man, if the Lord's trying to teach us something, we should want to catch it. The sooner the better, or they'll be going around the mountain when they come 40 years. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to, listen to this, to be full and to be hungry. 
This is the apostle, Naaman lights. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then verse 13, often quoted but really not contextualized in the quote. We just brought you some of the connection here, some of the context. Verse 13, Philippians 4, many of you can quote this right back. I can do all things through Messiah who strengthens me. What are the all things he's referring to? At least he's referring to times when he's abased, times when he's abounding, times when he felt full, times when he felt hungry. He can deal with all those things. How? Through the strength of Messiah. And my friends, from this Yom Kippur forward, you can deal with whatever God brings into your life through the strength of Messiah Yeshua. But you must give him every area of your life. The, please listen to this. The areas that you don't give him are the areas that you're Lord over. And actually, he's the Lord of everything, not you or me. <laughs> Some of the areas we don't want to relinquish to him, but we need to. If we want to enter the state of blessedness that he has for us, of being blessed, we must relinquish there. As Galatians 2 verse 20 said, the same author again, Rafshul, Galatians 2 20, I have been crucified with Messiah. Notice this next phrase, it is no longer I who live. It's no longer I who live, but Messiah lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live how? I live by faith, trust, in the Son of God, and by the way, the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So during these 10 days of all, we're concluding now with Yom Kippur. We start on Yom Terah. Many of us here have gone through some introspection, some very healthy reassessment of our priorities of our life. Some have even have, had to go to someone and ask forgiveness or try to straighten things out. That's a healthy process that needs to be done. It shouldn't just be done, though, on Yom Kippur during the 10 days of awe. It should be happening when, as soon as possible when a rift occurs. Some of us have had to go to family members and try to get some clarity, some clarification of different issues. And probably all of us have looked to the Lord for His help for his guidance, for his provision, and for his peace during this time. Friends, let's continue doing that from this Yom Kippur to the next Yom Kippur, as he wills. Let's continue doing that. Because the Lord does desire us to walk in a state of blessedness, which is anchored upon us relinquishing all things to him, acknowledging his lordship over our life, because he truly wants to bless us. As the Amplified Version tried to explain... He truly wants to bless us with fullness. Many of you know what's called the doxology. How many of you know what I'm talking about when I say the doxology? <laughs> How many of you can sing the doxology? <laughs> the lyrics were, the music was written by a gentleman named Louis Bourgois, and I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it right. But the lyrics go all the way back. He was born in 1510. goes all the way back. That's where the music was written. And the lyrics were written by a person named Thomas Ken. And he was born in 1637. 
So there was this gap between the music and the lyrics that we now know. And sometimes blessings take a little bit of time, don't they? Have you ever wanted an instantaneous answer from God and you didn't get it? Father knows best. <laughs> he knows what's best. But the lyrics start and they go like this, and I know many of you will be singing this for the rest of the day. Praise God. If you know him, say it with me. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. <laughs> Can't forget the Hebrew word at the end. Amen. Well, this simple song really has only two main focuses on. One is praise, praising God. Are you able to praise God when you're stomach's full? How about when your stomach's empty? Can you praise God? Can you praise God when you're on the mountaintop and everything's going great? Can you praise God then? Most of us can jump and dance and shout hallelujah. But when you feel like you're in the valley, can you still praise God there? He's Lord of it all. He's Lord of all of that. And He allows these things into our life to train us, to teach us. So this simple song references praise and it references the Lord. We need to keep our eyes on Him in the days ahead as He gives, as many days as He gives us. There will be some challenges. And my wife will tell you, I am an ever an optimist. I always see, <laughs> she's shaking her head right now. I always see a half full glass and I just don't see the empty part. I don't know why. <laughs> I need balance maybe more. But, but I do know this as optimistic as I am about, about everything. I do know this, that there will be challenges that come ahead for us. Will we praise God in the midst of the mountain? In the midst of the valley? Accept that. Will you give him every area of your life? Stop holding back from him. You're only hurting yourself. You're only depriving yourself of blessing. Stop holding back. You've been listening to the Shabbat message from Rosh Pinah Messianic Jewish Congregation in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We would love to have you visit us. Our weekly services begin at 10.40 a.m. each Shabbat, and we are located at 2600 Northwest 55th Place, north of Northwest Expressway at the corner of Northland Avenue and Northwest 55th Place. We meet each Shabbat for wonderful praise and worship with dance, liturgy, teaching, food, fellowship, excellent children's programs, and Bible studies on Tuesday nights. For more information, please visit our website, www.roshpinah.org That's R-O-S-H-P-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G You can also reach us by phone at 405-842-1967 or email us at info at roshpinah.org Thank you for spending time in the Word with us today. Shabbat Shalom and blessings in Messiah Yeshua.